0: Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice, the Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built Ford Tough. Making
1: my way downtown. Walking fast. Faces passing and I'm homebound.
2: Making a way through the crowd. Not need you. Nothing left you. Now I want. You.
3: Ah, oh, yes, I do wonder. I wonder where you are on this. Guilty Pleasure Friday, Training Camp 2023, rolling along. Here we are right across the street from Centura Training Center. Chad, uh, well, if you were listening to the last three hours, Chad was on with Mike. He's going to be on for the next three hours here. So he's, he's got a radio IV, Nate. That's right. So he had halftime. He's got his orange slices. Um, do I need to give a participation uh,
0: medal as well? Or no, no, no the orange slices for halftime. I know, just everyone always groups those together. Petition mm-hmm. patient trophies and orange slices. How did that happen? I don't know. Did you ever eat orange slices I did. in the middle of a
3: <laughs> In no, an no, NFL game? No, uh, no, 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 In soccer, when I was a, uh, I was a youth soccer does player. Does anybody eat anything at halftime
0: of an NFL game? Though?
3: Yeah, like a little bit, maybe just like a couple bites of some kind of a protein bar or something. or like, uh, That seems athletic, Or though. some kind of drink, you know, some kind of like energy-ish drink. I had heard that sometimes the offensive linemen eat donuts before the
0: game. Is that true? You tell me. you were an I, I never ate a donut before a game, but you I know. heard at the NFL level that some eat donuts.
3: I don't know. I never saw that. I used to eat donuts when I was inactive. So, like, one particular season, Raj, when I got converted to tight end, I was one of those eight guys who didn't suit up pretty much most of the games. And so I get to the facility. They tell me I was down, and then I would just start – eating i would eat, eat donuts i would eat get the ball boys to get me a hot dog at halftime uh i would drink coffee and then eat sunflower well, seeds were
0: well, you were trying to put on weight though at the same time no, not though, right? at
3: that, no at that time i was just bummed out i wasn't playing so i'm like <laughs> i'm just gonna please myself somehow here well,
0: the guy i don't think he eats many donuts is chad brown look at him no he's subs. never had a donut here he is i'm
3: gonna hand it back here over to chad he might need one though to get through this next three Special hours sunflower. Now look at this guy.
1: apple fritter I, i'm oh, gonna do an right. apple fritter that's right that's my uh guilty pleasure uh, before
3: we get into this, guys, Training Camp 2023 is on the air thanks to Ting Internet. If you live in Centennial, make Ting your light speed Internet provider for as low as $89 a month. Go to Ting.com slash Centennial for more info. All right, Chad Brown. Yeah. Orlando Franklin's going to be out at practice today, so it's just you and I for the next three hours, compadre. Nice. And you've been here for three hours already.
1: I will do the six-hour tour. I feel like uh, Gilligan, how do Gilligan's you, Island. How do you feel? Do you feel warmed up? Are I'm you, ready to roll. Let's do it. Are you starting to get tired? No. Pace is good, man. I got, I got endurance. Are you distracted by the wood chippers across the street? Well, they've been at this for over an hour, so they're almost done. So that distraction's almost over. This is going to be me and you chopping it up, Bronco talk, man, making this whole thing happen.
3: Well, let's get into the Bronco talk because we had some bad news uh, yesterday, and we broke it on our show that Jonas Griffith uh, had has an ACL injury, and he's going to have to have ACL surgery. And Sean Payton spoke about it yesterday. Here he is. He's going to
2: go to he's going to go to reserve injured with an ACL. Um, you know, it's unfortunate because he's one of those guys who was rehabbing too. Saw him a lot and. Trying to keep his spirits up, but um, that's it from an injury standpoint.
3: Okay, so it feels uh, same old story with the injuries, right? Everybody's having injuries to to an extent, but um, do you feel like the ACLs here in Denver have been uh, more than the average team? I mean, is there is there cause for concern? Is there something in the water here, um, Chad, that we should be concerned about?
1: Ah, uh, no, I, I don't think it's, it's a Bronco thing, I think it's an NFL thing, and some teams get a run of injuries, and it seems to be, you know, maybe more than just a coincidence, but as Orlando loves to say, NFL football has a 100% injury rate, and every year in training camp, almost every single team has a couple of guys go down with knee injuries, and when I was looking at uh, Pro Football Talk and Pro Football Focus and all the little sites I, I frequent, you know, there's almost every team around the league has had an ACL or some, something like that at this point in the season. It may not be a player who was as prominent as Jonas Griffin as far as the team's plans, but guys are going down. This happens every single year. So, no, the Broncos' field maintenance guy shouldn't be fired. <laughs> no. Just as Lauren Landau was not the issue with Bronco injuries last year.
3: So what is the issue, man? Is it What is the larger issue here? Because... Jonas Griffith stepped on someone's foot yep. and tore his ACL. It happened. Shouldn't the best athletes in, on planet Earth be able to withstand some some uh, an ins- unstable moment like that? Stepping on a foot, doing something that you're not prepared to do. Why is that happening to our best athletes?
1: The If Jonas Griffith does that week eight of the season, I think he handles it no problem. But in the learning curve of training camp where your body is trying to adapt and do all these things that you haven't done since last year, uh, that's when these freak things happen. I think that's why there's a higher rate of ACLs uh, during training camp, maybe, than any other part of the year, because your body has and your mind hasn't gotten accustomed to all the movements that are being asked of you.
3: Uh, Again, doesn't this call into question the way that people train? Obviously, you know, Lauren Landau is, is one of the best trainers in the country, but I feel like trainers... They're trying to maximize your size, your speed, your explosiveness. What are they not doing that's that's leaving these guys vulnerable to these moments?
1: That is, that is I think that's the million dollar question that every strength and conditioning staff in the NFL and college football is trying to figure out. What can we do to maximize explosiveness, speed, and strength, and all those things, yet also maximize durability? Because you can be as as explosive and as fast as you want to be, but if you're not available for your team, you're no use. So how do we marry those up together? Um, I I think for a 5% reduction in speed and strength uh, and to maximize uh, durability, that would be the the best way to go about that. But I think it's too much emphasis on how fast can I make you, how strong can I make you, versus how durable can I make you.
3: Maybe they need to play, like, barefoot soccer in the sand.
1: (laughs) Which was, which running in the sand was, you know, an old-school thing to get your legs strong. So maybe there's something to that.
3: But the reactive stuff, the the proprioceptive stuff, the stuff that's not, okay, you run here, then you run to there, then you run to there, then you run to there. So you can't dial it up. You have to react, and you're going side to side, and that kind of stuff, right? This kind of stuff where it's more athletic and it's less, like, training.
1: Uh functional training is what they call it. This is Within your sport, you're going to need to do this movement. So I'm going to functionally train you to be able to be strong in that particular movement as opposed to just pure or just pure strength training.
3: You, you, uh, Orlando says 100% injury rate in football, and we always talk about that. Do you think there's anyone who ever played in the NFL, though, who defied that and didn't get hurt, Did no. not have one Injury?
1: No, like Jim Brown never missed a game. No, not Jim Brown, but was there some guy who slid by? No, just never got hurt. No, it's, it's impossible. What, it's not a, a kicker. Uh, are, kickers are, pull groins kicker. and get hamstring tightness. I've seen kickers in training rooms. Oh no, I've seen them. I'm yeah. just
3: saying, is there a kicker who made it through without ever having yes, injury?
1: A kicker had a short, a, a short cup of coffee in the NFL. Yes, he he was able to escape the league unscathed. But outside of those very small, isolated circumstances, the game is just too physical. I mean, I got banged up when I was playing Pop Warner, you know. I Did got you bang-
3: have, like, a real Pop Warner injury?
1: I got hit in the back, and apparently he hit a nerve, and I was, you know, essentially uh, paralyzed for a minute or two. As a child? As a child. How old were you? I was probably 9 or 10. As I'm laying on the ground, and my head's facing the stands, I can see my dad hop over the stands and come running on the field.
3: And 28 years later, that's when you retired from football. Yeah.
1: You weren't gonna. I, I love the game. Wow. Th- that little thing was not gonna discourage me away from the game. <laughs> that dad, little thing. My my, my nine
3: year old. You're like you're having a nerve
1: issue in your back. You lay there, can't move. That little thing. And my dad was a marine, so I was lucky enough to grow up with a dad who was a marine. Was he like get up. <laughs> no, he wasn't quite like that. But he, I think he understood <laughs> that. You know, you're gonna get banged up. This is a tough game, and it's gonna be played by tough people. And if you want to keep doing this, you have my support.
3: And you did keep doing it yeah, for a long time. And here we are, training camp 2023. If you're out of camp, guys, stop by the denversports.com zone, grab yourself a bottle of water. Thanks to our friends at Gravinus So I know a lot of you are disappointed today because that song played 10 minutes ago and Orlando was not here to sing it. I know that's how a lot of you like to usher in your weekend, so we apologize for that. But he's going to have eyes on training camp practice today, and he's going to be filling in with DMac on the drive. So uh, maybe he'll sing. Maybe he'll sing Vanessa Carlton on the drive. Maybe D-Mack will get him to sing. All right, guys, we're off and running here. Um, Sean Payton also gave some news yesterday that Will no doubt spark some debate from now until the first preseason game that is one week away. We'll take a swan dive into that one next.
0: Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023, thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice, the Players Club, powered by the Ford F 150 Lightning, all electric and built for tough. Oh,
1: look. Well, school of Rock is on my uh, flipping channels. And I get to School of Rock. Stop. Let me sit down. Let me enjoy a little Jack Black.
3: You remember what uh, scene this song is in?
1: Yes, this is when they, <laughs> I, think, I
3: think Richie does. This
1: is the the principal in the band who's singing the, singing this, this song, that's right? Right,
3: they go out for a beer. Yes, he's trying to butter her up so he can take his uh, class to go win that competition, right? And battle uh, the bands.
1: And he goes to the jukebox. Yes, and he puts on this song. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and of course she agrees. And that's um. John that's Joan Cusack yeah that's John's sister yeah brother-sister acting duo very successful what
3: is the is that the most successful brother-sister acting duo of all time
1: it it may be now uh, Gross Point Blank is a movie where they're both in that Uh he's an assassin and she's his uh, secretary slash assistant it'd be weird if they were cast as a married couple that would be really strange but in Gross Point Blank it works great she's fantastic he's fantastic in it yes
3: there's also Patricia Arquette and uh, what's his what's the Arquette brother? David Arquette. Yes. Yeah. The Jill Halls. There we go.
1: Yes, there's the lots of brother-sister duos. Lots? That's three. I mean, is there another? It's more than I had thought when I first mentioned that they were brother and sister.
3: Well.
0: well. There are dozens of us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> maybe uh, maybe the text line can enlighten us here as well. Um uh, 303-713-1043. Brother-sister acting duos. It is a Guilty Pleasure Friday, and we'll play your Guilty Pleasure song requests, and you can text that in also to the Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. Chad, you you were on three hours this morning with Mike. Yep. What'd you guys hit on? What What
1: was the main topic of convo? The main topic of conversation is, is this Russell Wilson conversation a bit overblown? Oh, Are we on the fan taking this too far? Are we... Uh, not giving Russell Wilson enough grace. It's a new system. Now, of course, there's also other folks on the text line who are saying, we're being far too nice. We're covering for Russell Wilson. We're denying the listeners the truth that this dude is washed. So there's a variety of opinions on the text line, as there always is. Uh, but I would say it was 70-30 uh, negative about Russell Wilson and how he's done so far in training camp.
3: Hard not to understand why when mountains were moved to get him here, because you gave up a lot to get him. You yep. leveraged the future of your team to get him here, right? And so you expect him to perform commensurate to that moving of mountains. And if not, he's gonna he's gonna hear it, and 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 those who brought him here are gonna hear it. So yeah, you do have to see Russell Wilson play better. We have talked a lot about it. We're gonna talk a little bit about that as we go on in this show. But first, um, I want to dive into something that Sean Payton said after practice yesterday and it doesn't involve Russell Wilson it actually involves um, Javante Williams and his progress and the plan for Javante Williams now you remember months ago when he was still in the in the infancy of his rehab uh, George Payton was, was given a press conference and he said the plan was Javante is going to be ready for week one and we were all like wait whoa how is that going to be this guy completely destroyed his knee and that will be under a year since that happened how do we know that he's going to be ready well they were on to it. This guy has been ahead of schedule with his rehab from, from day one and um, took the first rep of nine on seven on the first day of pads and has been out there pretty much without re- – well, he's had some restrictions, but not because of him. It seems like he's been ready to go. And Sean Payton was
2: asked if Javante will play in the preseason. Here's what he said. Yeah, he'll get reps. It may be we wait till week two. We haven't gone through the outline of the, of the plays yet, but um... – I like how he's progressing.
3: Like how he's progressing. Um, I do, too. We all do when we see it. But I wonder, Chad, do you like how he's progressing that much more when you see how bad the passing offense looks? Wow, I think we're going to need a running game. and I think That's what I'm to... saying. Is the pressure to get your number one back out there greater when you see that the passing game isn't clicking how you'd hoped?
1: I think Sean Payton's taking a longer view on this. I, I, obviously, Javante is going to need some reps in the preseason. The ball security stuff, uh, maybe some pass blocking things. We want to get him exposed to all that in game full game speed action after missing so much of last season. So you want to make sure that the rust is knocked off. But I don't think Sean Payton is willing to risk uh, Javante Williams recognized that the run game is going to have to be a big part of this offense. If Russell Wilson is going to be successful, particularly based on what we've seen here in the early part of training camp with some of the lack of accuracy, lack of timing in the passing game, if those things continue into the season, then the running game is going to need to carry this offense. And it's going to be needed to help Russell Wilson be successful, particularly on deep balls in the play-action game. So I don't think Sean Payton is a coach who's been given an ultimatum playoffs or bust and if you don't go six and two in the first eight games you're getting fired Sean Payne's got a much longer view than that and I don't think he's going to risk Javante Williams uh, here in the preseason if there's a concern that that will make him less available later in the season
3: well wouldn't the concern be that he tore his ACL we know that happened he what? had a surgery we know that happened so why put him out there I mean by the way, I'm okay with it if you think that he's ready to go. But I'm saying there's a risk involved with it. And if if he is taking the long view, like you're saying, and he does have this long leash, and this season isn't really that important as far as Sean Payton's tenure here, then why put him out there at all?
1: You, because Sean Payton is a football coach. If the doctors have medically cleared this guy and have, have no restrictions upon him, then it is up to you and the daily conversation with the training staff How's Javante? How's his knee doing? Did we get any swelling? We increased his workload in practice yesterday. Was he complaining about any soreness? And you continue with that check-in process, and the conversation from the training staff is always good, then I've got to continue to move ahead. If the doctors say you're clear, and the trainers give me good reports every day, what am I supposed to do as a football coach? uh, coach? Not listen to the doctors? I'm not a medical guy. They tell me what I'm allowed to do and not allowed to do. So between the doctors, the trainers, and the players, If you're in constant communication with them, and all three of those check off every day, then I'm going to keep expanding your role to get you prepared to hit the ground running in week one.
3: By all accounts, Denver Broncos' running game needs to improve this year. They were bottom third of the league last year, averaging 113.8 yards per game on the ground. The number one rushing attack in the NFL, do you venture to guess, Chad, last year? Uh, Ravens. Nope, they were number two at 160.0 yards per game, but number one was the Bears ah, at 177. Yes, because yes. they have a running back playing quarters. quarterback. Yes, he can throw. He can throw, but they use him like a running back. And so, uh, would you think he'll play 17 games this year,
1: Justin Fields? Uh he's a pretty thickly built dude, uh, but probably not. I mean, no, the history of running quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, missing games is pretty clear. Lamar Jackson is already gotten into that territory and he's still a young quarterback.
3: look um, another one you know we'll get into this later but also in the bottom third last year and actually the the, the the very last team in the in the league in rushing yards last year was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 76.9 that's not good. But they relied on Tom Brady to throw quick passes all because he, cause he th- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers threw more than anybody else. Yeah. Relied on the quick passing game. Um, the Chargers were the third to last in the league with 89.6 yards. They went 10-7 and went to the playoffs and should have beat the Jags on the road. The Cincinnati Bengals, pretty good team, right? Yep. Yeah. They were fourth to last in the league, 95.5 yards per
1: game. Great quarterback. Minnesota player.
3: Vikings, pretty good season last year. They were fifth to last, 97.7 yards per game on the ground. So you can make the playoffs and have a good team without committing to the run. Would you say that's correct?
1: I would say that's correct, but you need to have a dynamic uh, franchise quarterback. And we got one, $50 million a year, man, Russell Wilson. We traded paid like a franchise guy, has yet to prove he can play like a franchise guy. Okay. Pay and play, very (laughs) similar, once missing a very critical letter.
3: Okay. Well, hey, we are here live from training camp 2023 in the denversports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from Kahn Construction, a commercial general contractor specializing in tenant improvement and design-build projects for over three decades. That's Kahn, K-A-H-N, construction.com. All right, hey, you guys are in for a treat. Chicken Little, James Merillat, is going to join us next. (laughs)
0: Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice. The Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built for Tough. We're here live from
3: Training Camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from Randy Ross Tennis Center right behind us. That's where we're parking our cars. And, uh... We appreciate it. We appreciate the hospitality. James Merillat on his way over. Until then, guys, we got a lot of action on the Ramoslaw.com text line about famous or the best brother-sister actor duo, Julia and Eric Roberts. Chad? I didn't know they were siblings. Well, now you know. Warren Beatty and Shirley MacLaine, is that right? Yeah. I heard that one before. Ralph and Joseph Fines.
1: Not brother-sister, but brothers.
3: Um... Justin and oh wait, Justine and Jason Bateman. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Jason Bateman, sneakily one of the greatest actors of our generation. Yeah, I mean the, the longevity of this guy.
1: <laughs> he's been at it a long time. Why are you laughing? Uh, I don't think. What he I'm, got against Jason Bateman? I don't think he's a great actor. He's not a great actor, but he's an enjoyable actor.
3: Have you ever felt like like he wasn't? pulling his weight as an actor in a film. No. Or or felt like there was a false note with that guy.
1: No, he's fantastic.
3: Wouldn't that be considered
1: a great actor? Uh it, it all depends on what how we want to define great actor.
3: How do you define great actor?
1: Uh I think of you know you're Denzel Washingtons you're okay. your, your, your so Academy leading, award winners. Okay, Academy award
3: winning leading man. Correct. So like a, a supporting actor is not c- couldn't be considered a great actor. They yourself. can be. Um would you were you were you like a main like a Actor on a football team, or
1: were you a supporting actor? I was a supporting actor. Okay. Yeah. Were you a great supporting actor? I was. You sure were, man. I was a great supporting. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> okay. But, you know, when Chad I think Ron. of Tom Hanks, right. Intel Washington, yeah. I don't put Jason Bateman in that category. Couples Retreat, he was fantastic. He was really funny. You know, uh, <laughs> Hall Pass, yeah. uh, all those things, horrible uh, Bosses, he's been great in all those.
3: There's also a show, He uh, what's that, uh, Ozark? It, right. And I think that was more serious. It was more serious. So it shows that he has a uh, depth and breadth. He does as he's, an actor. He's
1: got chops, no doubt about it. But is he better than Kirk Cameron? Because Kirk
3: Cameron <laughs> and <laughs> Kirk and Candace Cameron were uh, were a duo.
1: Yeah, uh, Kirk Cameron's ventured into some territory uh, that. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to put him in a great actor category.
3: Yeah, you can't go there with him, can you? All right. Well, so as James works his way around here, and and he still is um. So we talked about Javante Williams and, and the plan to play him a little bit in preseason. Mm-hmm. How much would you play, Javante? How, how many series, how many carries? I mean, what, what, what seems right to prepare him for, for September 10th against the Raiders? Because you, you don't want to go just from practice to that probably, right?
1: Four to six series is what I'd be looking for. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers said the other day, I don't see any benefit to playing one series in the preseason. And I agree with Aaron Rodgers on that. It's not a whole lot I agree with Aaron Rodgers on, <laughs> but I certainly agree with him on that. And you see teams that will trot out their quarterback for one series. You've got to get a little bit of a lather. You've got to get to the sideline, get some coaching. Uh, You've got to do those kind of things to, I think, to take advantage of the experience. And for Javante Williams, he needs to get tackled. He needs to make sure he's got good ball security. Hopefully there's an opportunity for him to do some pass blocking. So I'd love for him to check off those kind of running back skill set list. get it in live action, and then after that, which I think can be accomplished in four to six series, let's get him out of this thing and keep him safe and ready for the regular season.
3: So from the RamosLaw.com text line, a question. Explain what the process is with being medically cleared. Is it a comprehensive exam with an MRI, and can they see that the ligament is healed? Muscle in the leg and knee up to par. That's from Jason uh, in Lincoln. What does the process look like to get this guy, quote, unquote, clear?
1: Uh, At at the end of your rehab process, you're going to, you know, there's a big meeting with the doctors and the trainers and yourself. And uh, if you're one of those guys who's got a second opinion doctor, that guy may be zoomed in as well. They will give you a detailed physical exam. They'll probably get some fresh MRIs or x-rays or films done to be able to verify what they're feeling in their hands when they're doing the exam on you. And between those things, the time frame, your rehab process, the physical examination, plus the films to back it up. Between those components, they're able to figure out, okay, you are fully cleared to return back. This this thing seems to be fully healed. Your exams look good. Your uh, contact points, your sliding drawer test on your knee uh indicates a certain level of tightness that makes me think you can return to play without any further issues
3: did you ever get cleared but you weren't ready to get out there did, did the doctors ever, t- to ever tell you chad you're you're cleared you're good to go and you're like man no i'm not
1: no it was usually me chomping at the big make, trying to ask them to clear me so i can get back out there before they were ready
3: well, you know who's chomping at the bit. James Merillat
4: joins yeah, us man. right now. James, how are you? Good, fellas. Uh, there's, there, I, I have nightmares about being in my car driving, and I hear Axel F. Oh. And I know I'm supposed to be yeah. here okay. doing this, and that's the cue, and I'm not here yet. So I apologize for being a couple minutes late. It's okay. You were doing something uh, in service of the greater good. Yeah, I was helping others. Yes. Um, that's you what know, you do. Running errands, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, the, But still, no excuse. I'm here. I'm ready to go. All right, so I want to ask you about Russell Wilson because uh, I'm sure you
3: have some thoughts. I saw I saw um, a stat on ESPN last night. In 2022, uh, the highest percentage of plays ending in a turnover or sack among all the quarterbacks in the NFL. Okay, Okay. <laughs> okay. Justin Fields was number one with 18.7%. Number two in the NFL was Russell Wilson at 12.6%. 12. 12.6% 12. of Russell Wilson's plays as a quarterback, end in either a sack or a turnover. Wow, that's uh, that's not good. What does that say about the team? Because he was sacked fifty-five times. So part of that yeah. stat is about this. Is a about big, a big part. He didn't throw a ton of picks. And what do have? Eleven. Yeah, I mean, had, yeah, he had eleven touchdowns, eleven picks. Yeah, not, a, not, not crazy. So, what accounts for
4: that statistic? And is that something that it can be fixed in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I think it can completely be fixed. I, I, I'm. I'm not going to give Russell Wilson a free pass for last year. I think he certainly was to blame for plenty of what went wrong, but I do put the mess of the offense at the top of the list. Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, and they're trying to meld these things together, and they told us you know, during the offseason last year, it's the most complicated offense in the history of the NFL. Yeah. That should have been red flag number one, right? You don't want to be overly simple, but trying to do that, I mean, find anything in life where the most complicated version of it Works and is the best Especially the first year you're learning it Right, it's hard to come up with that So I do think that was a part of it Uh, You know, I think Russell Wilson was a great college quarterback He was a great NFL quarterback for 10 years You look at that and it's like, okay Because he was running an offense that made sense That played to his strengths Where the coaches knew, hey, we got to do A, B, and C Versus just giving him whatever he wanted And let's go let Russ cook and chuck it all over He's not uh, clearly as (laughs) as effective doing that I think Sean Payton is going to be the biggest difference. I don't think he'll be anywhere near the top of that stat this year.
1: Let's put on your uh, psychology hat here, James. Okay. You're Russell Wilson. You're 10-19 in your last 29 games. Yep. You worked your way out of Seattle because you thought they were holding you back. So you demanded more input, more part being part of the game plan. Yep. You got what you wanted last year, but then you didn't get what you wanted because it wasn't a very good season. Now, this year in training camp, you got a brand-new coach. The the three practices that actually count, the padded practices, you threw interceptions in all those practices. Where's Russell Wilson's confidence? How does he feel actually inside? Not the facade he's going to put up and tell the media. How is he actually feeling inside if that is the track record he is on?
4: I think his confidence is probably still relatively high. I think he's feeling the pressure, though. And I think when he you know he said this before the game in Seattle last year of, oh, i don 't feel pressure i don 't get nervous. You could tell watching at the start of that game, of course he did. I mean he's human, he should have been uh, feeling the pressure and being nervous walking into that situation, the buzz off going back to Seattle week one, Monday night football with your new team. you could feel it and you could sense it watching it. I think that's where he's at now, I think he's feeling the pressure. Uh, and you know that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you guys know if you got a little bit of butterflies, you got a little bit of pressure. That can be a good thing if it gets over the line. All of a sudden, it becomes paralyzing. But I think he's feeling a little bit, and I think that's okay. I think that's part of the reason he came into training camp in great shape, is he knows that hey, this is kind of the legacy defining season here. Um, so he's feeling the pressure, Chad. I think that's 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 for sure.
3: And these pass catchers out there have to be frustrated. They have to be. I mean, I used to be one myself. And if I was playing on a team or practicing when I wasn't just, I wasn't getting the ball, that would be really frustrating to not be able to prove what I had or get ready for the season. I think about Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, you really haven't seen him do any Jerry Judy type of stuff out there at camp. He's not. He's not involved in the action. If you were Jerry Judy, would you be tempted once the season starts? To, to call your buddies and, and make sure they bet the under on your prop bet yards.
4: <laughs> well, I think Uzzurike is going to be all over that. Um, I mean, look, I'm sure it is frustrating, and there's been a couple of plays where it's like, hey, they've got a they've got a guy open here and he, and he misses him or just doesn't see him or it's a bad throw or whatever. But you also watch practice, and, and when it's ones versus ones, there's not a ton of separation. I mean, you know, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Russell Wilson. But at some point, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy have to play like, you know, a highly paid wide receiver and the highest drafted wide receiver in the history of the the franchise and, you know, create some separation and, and give Russell Wilson somebody to throw the ball to. It's not just all on the quarterback. Sometimes it's on the targets as well. All right. Well, yeah.
3: I agree with that, but you also got to give him a chance to go get it.
4: I'm with you. You got to give him a chance to make that special play. But we also, and look, we should focus on the interceptions. I get it. And focus on the bad plays. I personally don't think that's true, though. I, I don't think you have to, we have to count all his interceptions and say, uh, he's not looking good because he threw these two interceptions. Uh, to me, that, that that's not fair to Russell. It's it, But it's because it's, it's also not the complete picture, right? right. If it's, it's Cortland Sutton beating Pat Sertan on a deep ball on a perfectly thrown ball by Russell Wilson, we need to give Russ and Cortland some credit for that play, too, against arguably the best cornerback in the in the league. So, yeah, I mean, the, the hand-wringing over practice to, to sound like Allen Iverson is like, man, this has been something else. So when I walk across the street today, all I'm doing the entire practice is watching Russell Wilson mm. in every little drill he does. I want to see how he's stretching. It's going to be nothing but Russ <laughs> because I am just uh, kind of fed up with all of this uh, all of this Russ hate. All right, well, we can't wait to hear what you see, James.
3: Um, and we appreciate you joining us. Are you sticking yeah. around or are you getting out of here? No, I'm all, I'm here all day. Okay, cool. I yeah. mean, I mean, I mean, on this show, I, what, It's your show? I'll stick, stick around for along. another second, man, right. yeah, before you go and watch Russ. Yes, uh, we get more James. Russ. All right, can't um, wait. Our Broncos. <laughs> Our Broncos broadcast our broadcast from training camp, not Broncos broadcast, but our broadcast from training camp 2023 is powered and has been powered by the Ford F-150 lighting, a beautiful truck sitting to my right right now, all electric and built for tough. All right, Sean Payton actually spent some time discussing this very thing that we've been talking about, the receivers, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. We'll hear from
0: him next. Live from the Denversports.com zone across from training camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice. The Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built Ford tough.
2: In a world
4: full of people, you can decide up. What do we got here, john What's going on? <laughs> it's guilty pleasure Friday, but uh, Oh, uh Cindy Lauper. Oh, Right, it's in my, my wheelhouse. Yeah.
0: See your what else is the
4: Anything from that's about 1979 to about 1991. Okay, oh that's my right wheelhouse. Well, we were just talking about Justin Bieber. Yeah, so, and I heard you bring no, no, up Justin. No, Yeah, yeah, yeah. he he was great in those arcs. Started to show that he was, uh, you know, more of an actor, not just the the funny man. Right. But I was with Chad. He's not Tom Hanks or Denzel Washington. No, I mean he's He's a very good good actor. Really good. He's shown that he's got more than just you know making you laugh, which he's great in those movies. Horrible bosses and all those. He's awesome. But yeah, he's not quite at that. He doesn't have the skids on the wall. Right. But Justine Bateman in Family Ties. Yeah. That was she was good. She was great. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Michael J. J. Fox stole the show in that. Tina Yothers could not have been more annoying. True, um, I'm with you. You know, so yeah. it was, but it was a great show. Family Ties. Well, what was your favorite sitcom as a as a you know in your wheelhouse? Wow. Okay, so I was a big uh, Who's the Boss fan. Yeah, yeah. Melissa Milano, Who's the oh, Boss back, in, be the back day. in a moment? Stick around. Yep, yeah. yep. Tony Danza was great in that. Uh, you know, Family Ties was on that list. Uh, what's that growing a big pains? Growing pains guy? No, no. Different no. strokes. Different Strokes was great. Silver Stones? Yep. When it was Mrs. Garrett. When it went to Adelaide, yeah. it wasn't as good as the housekeeper. but yeah, Mr., Mr. Drummond was great, and Arnold and Willis. What about fantastic. Wonder Years? Was that after your? Uh, it was all right. It was you know I think I'd enjoy it. Winnie Cooper. It did you have a thing? For Winnie, Winnie, Winnie Cooper, sure. Yeah, yeah. who did yeah. right? Um, actually, the sister, Olivia Diabo, though she did wasn't that many uh, yeah. shows. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she it was, was pretty a, good one. She was pretty spicy. That show was a little too serious for me though at the time. Now yeah. when I watch, I'm like, oh, I kind of get it. But yeah. like it was, uh, you know, there was some depth to that. I didn't Facts of it. Life. Facts of Life was good. Trudy, with, yeah. uh, with, with <laughs> uh, oh, Tudy, Trudy, Trudy, oh Trudy, not Joe. Yeah, Lisa Welch. Oh gosh, it was her character? Blair, like Blair. She was the yeah. rich girl. Blair. Sure, that's where Mrs.
0: Garrett went. Right. She, she left, left different left strokes, strokes and went to Facts, Facts of, of Life.
1: It's my wheelhouse. Yeah. You take the good, you take the bad. You take you both, and there you go, The Facts of Life. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yes. wow. So, okay, <laughs> Shut up, Johnny. Did Chad you, and I finally found something we agree
3: on. We <laughs> can talk about these old shows. So do these sitcoms actually teach us lessons about life, that that the younger generation isn't learning? Because Johnny just hit the Okay, Boomer thing. Johnny, was there a sitcom that you watched as a kid? Um, Full no, House. and that's why we don't have any values in this country. Full House, man. Okay, Full House. Those. Yeah. yeah, there was always some yeah.
4: lessons in yeah. them. Yeah. How about this uh, after-school special? You guys remember coming home and the after-school specials on ABC? broke my window? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was like, you know, it's how to say no to drugs. And yeah. Don't hop in a van with a stranger and all those kind of life lessons. Degrassi Jr. High. Do you remember that one? No. Yeah, Degrassi Jr.
1: High. I was too old for that. My
4: kids watch that.
3: Okay. Yes. All right. Um, Jason Bateman, not Justin.
4: I, I messed that up. It was Justine. Justine is his sister. sister. Yeah. Yes. And you guys didn't know Warren Beatty and Shirley MacLaine were brother-sister? I guess I didn't.
1: I heard that before.
4: Yeah. Eric and Julia Roberts. I mean, Julia clearly the, you know, better of that duo. Eric's a good actor though, isn't he? He's all right. I mean, what's your favorite Eric Roberts role, though? I can't think of one. He's before. kind of talk about the guy you just you root for in every, in, uh, root against in every movie. He's like, yeah, oh, he always he's plays a
1: weird guy. bad guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. what With is that guy' intentions? What yes. is
4: that guy getting it? That's a, that's what you're looking for. Wow.
3: Um, and there were some brother duos that we didn't mention. Um, let's see.
4: Oh yeah, Emilio Estevez and, and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, that's a good one. Why do they have different last names? Well, Charlie Sheen took his dad's stage name. Yeah, and Emilio decided, hey, we're gonna I'm gonna keep the family name. Have you seen Men at Work? I have seen. Men that's at a work. good film. Very underrated yeah, movie. Really I mean, that one. was that didn't make much at the box office, but that was no, a good no, that was, that was one of my favorites as a kid. I have one speed. I have one gear. Go. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that Eric?
3: Who's that, Johnny? That was Charlie. That'd see. be Charlie. Oh, it's Charlie. Yeah, yeah Tiger. Tiger blood. You know, um, I got tiger
1: blood, man. Yeah,
3: man. You got tiger blood. <laughs> God, he had a moment there, <laughs> Boy. didn't he? He really did. Wow.
1: Oh, Isn't wow. It? Saved by the bell. Yeah. Somebody's just killing us with this stuff.
3: That's a great one. Yep. That was a great show. All right, so, um, Sean Payne, we, we were talking about Jerry Judy, and obviously he needs to see more from his receivers. Here is Sean Payne talk about what he's seen from Coral of the Sudden so far.
2: I feel like he's transitioning well. I think he's running well. Um... I feel his strength. You know, we, we watched a number of seasons on a few of these players just to, if you just watch one season, you know, you might have just a, a set opinion. But when you watched him in 19, for instance, it, it was real impressive. And we talked to him about it, you know, some of the things that we saw him do. Um, fortunately, we've seen some of that in this camp. So keep going.
3: I love what he said there, that he went back and watched, you know, every season of Corlin Sutton, back and watched his best season, figured out the things he was doing best, and then went to Corlin and said, here's what I want to see you doing again. Here's what I liked seeing you do when you were at your best. Yeah. Do you think they can get that version of
4: Corlin Sutton back? I don't know if they can quite get that version. I mean, that was his Pro Bowl year. That was when, you know, he seemed to turn a 50-50 ball into a 90-10 ball. Um, but I think he's looked closer to that in this camp, certainly, than he did in In 21, where you give him credit, he was out there when he was not near 100% and played through it. Last year, he was closer, but still wasn't quite the same guy. He looks pretty close to being Cortland Sutton than we remember out there. So that's that's encouraging. That's encouraging.
1: Now, we had some conversation during the break uh, about Russell Wilson. And you were putting some of the blame on the wide receiver room, that this wide receiver core is not very good. So you've got some praise for Cortland Sutton, which must mean, considering your previous comments when we weren't on air, But the rest of the receiver room leaves you uh, a little bit empty.
4: Well, it's a pretty unproven group, right? Like Jerry Judy has yet to live up to expectations, right? 15th overall pick. Uh, you know, you look at the other guys taken in that draft, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, they were taken after him. He's been nowhere near that now. Part of that, if I'm going to say Russell Wilson gets a pass because of the mess of an offense that Nathaniel Hackett put together, you got to apply that to Jerry Judy and the other guys in it, too. But, hey, it's not like he's out there with a bunch of guys with multiple Pro Bowls, and he's thrown to Jamar Chase and all the rest of this. So... I I think that is a group that needs to prove themselves. I think they're making a mistake for the second straight year, not at least going out there and trying to find somebody to come in here and replace Tim Patrick. You know, last year they should have done it when he got hurt. They didn't. They thought you know the the guys in the room would develop. They didn't. We got to the end of the season, and you know Russell Wilson's out there throwing to Kendall Hinton and Brandon Johnson and Freddie Swain, and it just wasn't working. There's the potential of that again. So yeah, this is a wide receiver group that has to prove something. I, I just think they. They have potential, they have talent, but at some point that needs to translate to production. So you're not advocating bringing in one of these veterans to be the number
3: three receiver, are you? I mean, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. You're, you're saying a guy's going to come in and be the number two or number one Realistically, right? Or you don't think there's an adequate number three receiver on this roster? I don't. The, the number three receiver, James, is only good for 20 to 30 catches a season. I mean, how how important is that to shake it up and get a veteran in here and pay him pretty decent money to come in here and be a number three receiver? Well,
4: when you look at the injury history of Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, that number three guy ends up being a number two guy. So you're hedging your bets against an eventual yeah. injury by one of these two guys you think's going to get hurt. Yeah, and I bring, I bring somebody in, and look, if you bring in, let's just pick a name, Jarvis Landry, right? And all of a sudden you look at it and say, hey, these young guys we've got look just as good as him. All right, well, then you feel better about those guys being able to make the leap. But I I they, they they were kidding themselves a year ago. I think they're kidding themselves again if they think some of those guys are gonna step up and be one of their top three receivers. Why I don't really why care are who's...
3: kidding themselves. Like, why why can't you give a chance to a young guy and watch him prove himself? Uh, Marcus Colston, seventh round pick or sixth round or whatever, he goes and becomes a very important like he was never a hundred catch a season guy, but he was a very, very reliable receiver. Somebody who wasn't on anyone's radar, but through sure. the system and 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 you know, learning the offense and being on the same page was able to be very productive.
4: Why can't we have that from one of these guys out here? I just think Brandon Johnson got a a, a lot of an opportunity last year to show what he could do. What did he finish with? Six catches? He was hurt, right? He I didn't mean, they have a lot of chances but he, out there. He, 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 got, he caught he got Russell got to, Wilson's 300th career touchdown <laughs> pass. He got, to play a, he got to play in some regular season games and had a chance to shine. And he didn't do it. Kendall Hinton, I know he's the guy everybody loves the story, and he tried to play quarterback against the Saints in the COVID year. But, I mean, a guy who's been around here a long time and has not proven to be a, an every-down-every-game type of receiver. Well,
3: the, the number 3 receiver isn't an every-down the receiver. Be on, they're
4: going to be on the field a they're lot. They're going to be on the field a lot, but you're also going to see a lot of two tight end sets out there, and that's two receivers. But to, to, for us to act like Tim Patrick getting hurt isn't a big deal because they've got you know Marquez Callaway and Brandon Johnson. It's like... Okay, those guys aren't yet, they're not near the type of player that, that Tim Patrick was, so I think that's a void in the in the roster at this point. I think in today's NFL, you got to have three guys you can count on on a weekly basis. I don't think this roster has them. I think they have two.
1: I agree with James. Not just on our 70s and 80s sitcoms, but on his evaluation as wide receiver room. Well, yeah. Because last year... They're not getting chances, man. But Tim Patrick went down last year. They didn't bring anybody in. No one stepped up. No one emerged from that Because the dude is not throwing them the football, man. You were leaning upon all these young guys expecting them to step up, and there was not enough leadership in that room to move forward. And now you're going to go back and do the same thing again with the same guys, the same base guys, but then you mixed in a couple of other guys who have some possibilities, but none of them could really emerge as a number one and number two. So to James's point, you're bringing a veteran that could add something to that wide receiver room, veteran experience, veteran savvy, veteran know-how, and teach some of these young guys how to do it as an all-around receiver.
4: Yeah, I mean, because the two veterans they have, they're one and they're they're two, are those guys going to teach the young players? I mean, is Jerry Judy Uh, teaching anybody anything? no. No, I'm with you on
3: that. There is there is a void of leadership in that room without Tim Patrick. I agree with you that it's a huge loss and you're not going to be able to replace him. I just don't think that um, – I think you have – this is the beginning of Sean Payton's tenure here. We don't have to win this year. We don't. Oh.
4: We I, don't. I, I disagree. All
3: right. I disagree. Well, all right. Hold, put a pin in it. Put a pin in that grenade. We're going to come back and talk about that, but we are here live from training camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone right across the street from Denver Broncos training camp. Thanks to our friends from Kahn Construction, a commercial general contractor specializing in tenant improvement and design build projects for over three decades. That's Kahn, K-A-H-N, Construction com. I said put a pin in it, but you're probably leaving, or you want to stay. Will you stay a little longer? I gotta hop over and start charting Russell's every move. All right, I mean, he might be stretching. All right, I gotta get on it. All right, get out there and and, and watch Russell. And uh, when we get back, we're gonna continue this conversation about how to improve this receiver room. Does it need another guy, or is the guy right there all along? That's next.